how many gay historical figures do you know? Probably not that many. Most of them live their lives in secrecy, and history books tend to ignore any rainbow flags that someone might present. But they existed. They were people just like us, writers and innovators and artists and leaders, and they don't deserve to hide any longer. We're your hosts, Mary Rogers and Eileen Yamamoto, and join us as we uncover the ghosts in the closet. Historians say they were very close friends. Gal pals, colleagues, best friends, independent, companions, rebellious, roommates. Um, weren't they just queer? You're listening to Ghosts in the Closet with Mary Rogers and Eileen Yamamoto. Hi everyone, I'm Eileen. And I'm Mary. And today we'll be taking it back to the Romantic era, into the world of beautiful classical music, hard-to-pronounce names, and some very homoerotic letters. Ooh yeah. <laughs> but of course, before we dive into the early 19th century, let's get into some more recent queer news. At a high school in Illinois this past week, students calling themselves the Anti-Queer Association polled their classmates on whether queers should be allowed in restrooms with normal people. Though this incident was met with disgust by many, the scientific community is impressed by the student's success in creating a time machine back to the 1950s. The Twitter account of Representative Jim Banks of Indiana was suspended last week after he intentionally misgendered Dr. Rachel Levine, who had just become the U.S.'s first transgender four-star officer. The incident served as a refreshing reminder that even the stupidest, most ignorant of people can hold public office. So don't cry too hard about that bad grade. And finally, on a more positive note, The Bachelorette Australia introduced Brooke Blurton, the series' first bisexual and indigenous lead, who will lead the show's groundbreaking mixed-gender season. There's no punchline here, just pure joy. We're rooting for you, Brooke. just hearing was the beautiful, beautiful music of Frédéric Chopin, who, along with Beethoven, Tchaikovsky, Mendelssohn, and others, was one of the great composers of the Romantic era. His most famous pieces include Nocturne, Opus 9, Number 2, And one of my favorite classical pieces of all time, Opus 25, number 11, Winter's Wind. From what we've seen, Chopin is a classic case of historians covering up and erasing queerness. You'll hear soon about Chopin's passionate and frankly beautiful letters to other men, how his feelings toward men influenced his work, and much more. We're so excited to talk about this today, so let's get into Frédéric Chopin. 
Chopin was born in what would eventually become Warsaw, Poland in 1810 to Nicholas and Justina Chopin. He was their second child and only son, and he had three sisters, one of whom died at age 14. Chopin came from a bit of a musical family. His father played the flute and violin, and his mother played the piano, which would become Chopin's primary instrument. From an early age, it was clear that Chopin was a prodigy. He was demonstrating impressive piano playing abilities and composing his own pieces at the ripe age of six years old. And recognizing his talent, Chopin's family had him take lessons with a respected pianist and teacher in the area. It wasn't long before Chopin surpassed his teacher in his skills and gained quite a bit of acclaim in his area. By the time he was seven, he was invited to play at concerts and parties, and he even played in the presence of Russian Tsar Alexander I when he was 15. Of course, it wasn't just his playing that made him known. His piano compositions were also very popular and made him known even outside of Poland. What were you doing at age 15? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, staying in my room, watching Netflix. I was probably auditioning for my school's winter play and then getting cast as woman number three. Okay, thanks for one-upping me there. I was trying to figure out how to make craft dinner. You're on the stage. Oof. But yeah, he was playing for world leaders and he, could you imagine being his teacher? It's like the seven-year-old just oh like is God. better than you. I would be so mad, bro. I'd be like, no, no, you're, you're doing it wrong, actually. Slow it down. Yeah, maybe you should quit piano or something. Yeah, like you're unhelpable. <laughs> So Chopin began studying at the Warsaw Conservatory when he was 16, where he really honed his piano and composition skills. It's said that he was able to really express his individuality here. Rather than being bogged down by traditional training or the academic rules of music, Chopin was able to put his imagination and heart into the music he created, which is one of the reasons why he's probably the most famous composer of the Romantic era, uh, even though all his music was for the piano only. After some time in Vienna, where Chopin wrote even more brilliant music and became even more well-known, he finally arrived in Paris, which was the epicenter of the Romantic movement and the pinnacle of European culture and new thought. This is where he would thrive. It would take us days to get through all the music he composed and all the performances he did during this time in Paris, but rest assured, there was a lot. He became quite famous in high society and got to know other famous figures of the time, such as composer Franz Litz and artist Eugene Delacroix. Okay, friend. <laughs> yeah, I got some skills. <laughs> he also had a few affairs with women, the most notable being a broken engagement with a woman named Maria Wodzinska and a nearly decade-long relationship with a writer by the name of George Sand. I was actually, like, doing research. This woman, George Sand, her name is something else that I can't remember at this time, but she goes by, she went by George Sand to, okay. like, break through the, the patriarchal, like, this structure of the industry. She was actually very cool. I know we're arguing that he was, like, fruity here, <laughs> but she was super cool. Apparently, she would, like, um, wear trousers, and Interesting. she, yeah, she was just very, like, groundbreaking, I would say, so respect to, to George Sand, I would say. For sure, like, if he's, he seems like he's with the right crowd, yeah, at the very exactly. least. Like, if you're gonna be with a woman, at least be with a groundbreaking <laughs> feminist. Yeah, exactly. So Chopin was plagued with bad health for much of his life, and it got especially bad during the 1840s. He was composing a lot less and rarely performing, and his health eventually deteriorated to the point where he was bedridden. He died in 1849 at the age of 39, surrounded by family and friends and regarded as a great virtuoso of his time. At the time of his death, he had composed hundreds of piano pieces, including solos, waltzes, concertos, ballads, sonatas, nocturnes, <laughs> <laughs> and mazurka which are Polish folk dances. The list goes on. He has a whole Wikipedia page about wow. all the stuff he's composed. 
who's just like insane. So about his works, NPR writes that no one before or since has contributed as many significant works to the piano's repertoire or come closer to capturing its soul, which that's quite yeah, the compliment. Yeah, is like, that insane? He's a peak creator. That is absolutely. Yeah. So they're basically saying that he's like the best piano composer ever yeah. so far. Like he like did it perfectly is yeah. pretty much what they're <laughs> Which, saying. Which, that is, that's high praise, I would say. Despite only writing piano pieces, Chopin put his soul into every composition he dreamt up, and his fame and acclaim were well-deserved, I would say. Uh, this, of course, is pretty much common knowledge, uh, and anyone looking up Chopin could find this information about his life, but this is not all. There are things that don't automatically come up when you search his name. There are ghosts in the closet, <laughs> we might say. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you just caught my stomach rumbling in the audio. Oh my god, I hope so. <laughs> we'll see. I'm Classic hungry. Movie. I'm hungry. So I'm going to read some quotes now from some letters that Chopin sent to a friend during the early 1830s. So these quotes are from a series of 22 letters that Chopin sent to his close male friend, Titus Wojciechowski. Wojciechowski? Sorry, we had to like watch YouTube videos about <laughs> yeah. how to pronounce these names. And we probably still but don't. But I think, down. yeah, I think we should be honest about our struggles idea, here. Though. Anyway, he was sending these letters to his friend Titus Wojciechowski, a political activist and agriculturalist. So it's worth noting that these letters often started with the phrase, quote, my dearest life, and ended with the quote, give me a kiss, dearest lover. I am so excited about this portion, <laughs> personally. I did not read any of these letters in oh, advance, okay, good, so good. this will be my raw reaction. I cannot yeah, wait. Yeah, this is like insane. I was like heart trembling when I was <laughs> looking these up. Yeah, quaking for this homoerotic content. For real. All right, first one, first quote. You don't like being kissed. Please allow me to do so today. You have to pay for the dirty dream I had about you last night. Oh my god. <laughs> like, this is like old day sexting, I would say. Yeah, like, that's. It's not even can. like. Like, is there even subtext there? Like, you can be like, oh yeah, his there was homosexual subtext. Like, no, that's. No, gay. Like, like, he like, said, like, I want to get down and dirty yeah, with you. Yeah, like, exactly. Wow. So a little more vanilla, this next one. The quote is, Don't think I'm cross that you haven't written to me. I know your soul, so it doesn't matter about paper. If I have written such a lot of nonsense to you, it's only to remind you that you are as much in my heart as ever. Oh my goodness. Isn't that romantic? It's very cute. I'm also getting the vibe that maybe he was more into Wojciechowski <laughs> than our boy Titus was back. Yeah, I think it was definitely a little one-sided. Yeah, but honestly, this man is like, I love you as much as I possibly yeah, could. It's, like, it's actually so cute. Even if that is platonic, which, okay, I'm just gonna say now, it, mm. it cannot be, but... No, yeah, I love telling this to my <laughs> friends, like, all the it's time, just, just like my homies. It's so I'm nice. Like, You're in my heart as much as ever. <laughs> I write nonsense to you. <laughs> okay, and this third and final one, which is my favorite, the quote is... I confide in the piano the things that I sometimes want to say to you. Oh my yeah. god. Yeah. Like, you can't get more romantic than that. that. Like, I want so... somebody to say that to me. Especially if you think about, like, how beautiful his compositions are. True. It's like, what, like, he was dedicating these to him? Like, come on. Yeah, like, this incredible art is the outward expression of his feelings like, for him. The only other way that that would be, like, not romantic to say is if you were saying it to your family. Like, I don't know. That is... It's just, just so romantic. In itself, it's so incredibly intimate, especially mm -hmm. coming from him, because yeah. he, he's been a prodigy since he was young. Like, exactly. His piano is the closest thing to him. It's, yes. Uh, his life is piano. Yeah, he expresses, he puts his heart and soul into piano. Exactly. So. Like, quite the poet as well, Yeah, I right? Say. His 
I mean, I guess if you're like really good at music, maybe you just have like such a strong understanding of, you know, art and emotion. True. He seems like he was such an intellectual. intellectual. Yeah, for real, in Paris and stuff. So to us, these quotes seem quite homoerotic, quite heavy on the homosexual subtext. Would you agree? I would agree. Or like not even subtext, like overtly homosexual. Just like blatant homosexual content. Uh, But most people, however, are sadly not in agreement with us. So the main argument against this is that basically during that era, that is just how people talked. (laughs) So basically, like the language of the Romantic era is so flowery and passionate in itself that it makes sense for Chopin to have used language like that platonically to his male friends. Yeah, the only people saying that are like homos. (laughs) They're like, yeah, I slap my friend's ass in the locker room. It's normal. (laughs) It's we're we're just friends. Yeah, that's like the this is the Romantic era version of that. And a spokesperson for the Frederick Chopin Institute describes Chopin's use of language as, quote, musical and complicated, end quote, to justify the way he speaks to other men and how open he is with his declarations of love. So they're basically like, he's not gay, he just talks gay. Literally. (laughs) It's complicated. What's complicated is your struggle to come to terms with homosexuality. It's romantic. It's That's um, so insane. The romantic era, like all you have to do is compare this writing to any other writing from that time. Mm -hmm. Like people weren't just saying, I'm obsessed with you, I'm in love with you left and right. They're literally just saying like that's like if I sent someone a text and I was like, I'm in love with you, you're perfect. And then like heart emoji, heart emoji, love emoji, like squirt emoji. <laughs> and then like historians were like, yeah, like she, everyone just talk like this. Yeah, no, that's like if you send like an eggplant emoji and then historians <laughs> are like, they were just so into health, those millennials. Stop, that's so funny. <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh, man. Um, So there's actually another argument, this one you will love. So another argument aiming to disprove Chopin's homosexuality comes from a man named Alan Walker, who wrote a biography about Chopin in 2018, and is kind of an adamant, like, Chopin homosexual denier. So in his book called Frédéric Chopin, A Life and Times, Walker writes that Chopin was deeply infatuated with a woman at the time, and his charged letters to Titus were the product of, quote, psychological confusion, end quote, that made Chopin express his thoughts of sexual desire to Titus instead of who he really wanted to address those thoughts to, the woman that he was in love with. That is absolutely insane. Yeah. Like, imagine thinking that writing a love letter to a man would be easier than writing it to, like, a woman that you're, like, what, like, scared to express your Mm -hmm. feelings to? Yeah, Walker's literally just saying that Chopin is infatuated with this woman, and she did exist, and I guess he did write about her a couple times. She was, like, a singer. But so Walker's, like, she was infatuated, he was infatuated with her, but he's so psychologically confused that he's sending this erotic and romantic thoughts not to her, but to his male friend in confidant, which is like kind of home. I think that's kind of homophobic. It's, like, well, and it's also a little bit biphobic, I would say, because he's yeah. saying, "Oh no, he was attracted to a woman, so True. there's no way he could have been into a man." Just given like, uh, Chopin's like relationships he had with women, like for George Sand, he spent so much time with her. It was like nine years of them just like living together and being close. They never got married or anything, but right. like I don't know, you know, he probably was bisexual or at least fluid. Yeah. And so you're saying that like his love, his romantic, this these beautiful quotes are a product of psych psychological confusion like that does not sit right with me no like it's it's actually straight like it just reminds me of like thinking about alan turing having to be medicated for his homosexuality because they saw it as some like psychological impairment that's pretty much what he's saying and this book was written in 2018 how like how could you write a biography like that and just be this is an alan walker hate podcast (laughs) how could you write that biography and just be like instead of being like yeah it's possible he might have been gay like this is a part of the biography you're gonna jump through hoops for real to say that like, like that is ugh. It, 
it really, mm, it's nasty. Yeah, the other thing is, option A, like, he could, of course, have been fluid, you know, by our pan or what have you. But also, so many gay men or just gay people throughout history have had to live, like, in these nuclear families mm-hmm. or in stray marriages. And, and they even have children. And, like, you can still be queer and be <laughs> yeah. in a stray relationship. Because you weren't and, allowed to be queer back then. Yeah, That's the whole point like, of this podcast. <laughs> like, you'd think... A historian would like their priority would be seeking the truth. Yeah, um, exactly. But instead, it's like seeking evidence of what you want the truth to be. Yeah, I just, just I like, don't doesn't make any sense. I don't really. Uh. So our side's argument is pretty simple. These letters were in no way platonic. <laughs> um, <laughs> there's actually some evidence that some letters were purposefully mistranslated, with male pronouns being interchanged for female pronouns. So in one letter, Chopin writes, "Quote." my ideal whom I faithfully serve about whom I dream, end quote. So in the Frederick Chopin's Institute's published translation of the letters, his ideal is described as a woman and uses female versions of the Polish noun. The original letter, however, uses masculine nouns when referring to his ideal. Oh my god. I know. Wait, this is actually like straight washing. (laughs) This is insane. insane. I don't know, and of course their whole thing was like, oh, well, it was just like a mistranslation, or like the Frederick Chopin Institute was like, yeah, well, Polish was different back then, like, all of which is possible, maybe, you know, uh, but... Why are you trying so hard to disprove something that is so easy to to prove, like... And we'll talk a lot later about why they are trying so hard to disprove it. Yeah. Um, There's also letter evidence that he actually didn't write in the same way to women, and that his passionate writing was reserved for men only, which kind of disproves the first theory about language in the Romantic era. Like, there's not really... What can you even say here? like it's yeah like there, there's nothing else to say it's, yeah. the facts are in front of us and it's just so obvious and a lot of this information on our side came from a a radio show by this guy god i don't remember his name it was called chopin's men and he basically like wrote a whole radio show deconstructing everything and started a conversation about uh, chopin's sexuality so kudos to that man yeah check out that guy's radio show <laughs> we don't know <laughs> we don't know i'm sorry this is like the worst podcast. shout out <laughs> yeah. okay so on both sides we have very strong arguments about who chopin was and the context behind the letters he was sending so looking at it from the way you know we're obviously presenting it the possibility that chopin was gay becomes very clear and despite how obvious it might seem there actually is a lot of historical and political context as to why this is so adamantly denied by some people so we did a lot of asking why why is so much effort being put into making excuses um so to really get a full picture of the debate around chopin's sexuality you have to remember that and i didn't fully realize the extent of this uh but he was the star and pride of poland poland's largest airport is named after him there are tons of landmarks and statues dedicated to him and his heart is actually preserved and sealed into a wall of warsaw's holy cross church you might say his heart <laughs> in Poland. Yeah, it's we really like, put his heart and soul like into that just his heart, place. too. That's a very romantic thing to do. Do you think it's, like, in a jar? <laughs> it's like, I don't know. In the pictures, you guys should look this up, the the picture, it's, like, just the stone block in the wall. So I'm curious as to if they, like, just sealed it in there with concrete. If it's, like, in a box, maybe, or a jar in some, like, preserving liquid. Yeah, right? Or was it, like, frozen? Well, no, because it was so long ago. I yeah. have no idea. So curious. How they did that. But, yeah. if they, like, think it's there, but if they ever dug it up, it's, like, shriveled into yeah. <laughs> but that I think that fact really shows how important he was uh, to Poland. So you really can't overstate how important he is in Poland. Um, and another important aspect to note about Poland is their attitude towards the LGBTQ plus community, which is 
unwelcoming to say the least. The president of Poland recently said that the LGBTQ plus rights movement is quote, an ideology worse than <laughs> communism, <laughs> which I'm sorry, that's just so funny the to me The two worst things in the world. Yeah homosexuality and, and communism. communism but like given like i guess the historical background of poland like that is a jab at gay people like absolutely he hates them like they're saying gay people will ruin society like everything yeah. will crumble they're like afraid actively like afraid of gay people yeah well truly like homophobia by definition <laughs> yeah exactly it's not just like uh it's insane and I was astonished when I learned this. Yeah. There are around 100 LGBT free zones throughout the country, which are regions and towns that have symbolically declared themselves against LGBTQ plus ideology and ban pride marches and other LGBTQ plus events. Absolutely insane. Is, yeah, I, I didn't know this either. I didn't realize it was so bad. It's a crazy thing when you think about how small it is, like someone loving who they want to. And then because of this, you have like this outcry. And yeah, when you really look at it at its core, it's so silly. It's like children fighting over nothing. Exactly. And just like speaking of children, imagine growing up in one of those LGBT free zones. And also if, if it's this bad now, imagine how bad it was and how repressed gay people were when Chopin was alive. <laughs> yeah, like, exactly. Like, oh my god. So important political leaders have claimed that queer people quote, threaten the Polish state and the church, <laughs> and one of the most important institutions in Poland has also labeled LGBTQ plus people as a threat. Yeah, so the, the church is a very important institution in Poland. We, yeah. we know this. So if they label LGBTQ plus people as a threat, which is not a surprise, like imagine how. Yeah, it's like follow the leader. It is. Like how can you, you know, if everything is, if you're in a country and every single thing is telling you to think a certain way. I, yeah, know, like you it's... probably wouldn't even see it as like repression at all. You're just like, oh, this is common sense. Obviously, we aren't suggesting in any way that everyone in Poland is homophobic. Yeah. Uh, that would be an irresponsible generalization. <laughs> um, but the country is represented by openly homophobic institutions that pride themselves on tradition and conservative values, which is why any inkling about Chopin's sexuality is likely hushed up by historians mm -hmm. and experts. Uh, basically, if Chopin is Poland's symbol or Poland's hero, he simply cannot be gay. Uh, in today's Poland, you can't have both. Which, yeah, that just... Like, it makes sense. Yeah. Um, it just sucks. Yeah, it really does make sense. And this is sad for a lot of reasons, but one of the major ones is that if we're not seeing Chopin's truthful self, are we really understanding every aspect of his music? Absolutely such a good point. There are probably so many interpretations of mm -hmm. his music and what it means, and there's probably so much that's being lost. Exactly! And that's, that's what's so sad about queer people being erased in history, because their queerness is taken out of everything that they do even if it had an impact or an effect on it. Yeah, even if it was like a core basic part of mm -hmm. who he was. Yeah, um, obviously exactly. his feelings towards this this guy were immense. If they... Yeah, uh, obviously we always say this, people's lives inform the art they make. So especially with creations as purposeful and emotional as Chopin's piano compositions, it's hard to believe that his personal feelings wouldn't impact his music. And as Chopin wrote to Titus, I confide in the piano the things I want to say to you, which goes to show how much heart he really put into his art. Like, yeah. that is proof enough that his personal feelings were what powered his music. Yeah, he's literally, like, giving us something that I guess a lot of historians don't have. He's he's telling us what his yeah, music is about. Exactly. <laughs> so, final consensus that we've 
basically already answered every second of this podcast episode. Was he a queer musical genius or were his letters just a bit fruity? Well, they were certainly fruity because he was a queer musical genius. (laughs) It's all of the above on this one. Yes. Yeah, we think he's gay. Gay is an umbrella term, I would say. I do personally. Absolutely. He was some form of queer. Some form of queer, yeah. Uh, my stomach has been rumbling so much. <laughs> Hopefully everybody can. Hoping that uh, it's the picking picking it up for the listeners. Yeah, please uh, hit up our Instagram and comment your favorite <laughs> of Eileen's. Yeah, now that we're, we've talked about Chopin, let's talk about our Instagram page at Ghost in the Closet Podcast. Yeah, like, please follow us. I hear it's like a really super cool <laughs> Instagram page that you should follow. But to finish our episode out, we are going to hop into some queer trivia. I'm excited. All right, so the time that I've been personally waiting for for the past two weeks <laughs> is finally upon us. Ailee is about to read some trivia to me, and I'm going to get every answer right. All right, so these are a number of true or false questions. Okay, let's get started. All right. In the groundbreaking sitcom Ellen, starring Ellen DeGeneres, the character of Ellen comes out... <laughs> so now uh, The character of Ellen comes out of the closet to a character portrayed by Nicole Kidman. Oh, okay, wait. I know she comes out on that show. That's pretty groundbreaking. Um, I don't think it was Nicole Kidman, <laughs> so I'm gonna say false. Yes, okay, it is false. <gasps> the character is portrayed by Laura Dern. Oh, I did not know this. Oh, okay, so Laura, and obsessed with her. I actually, like, read about this. Laura Dern was kind of blacklisted after it for a little bit. No. Yeah. Okay, well, glad that she's kind of bounced back, because she's been in a lot yeah, of good she's stuff She's amazing. Lately. And she got her Oscar, like, two years ago. She Dude, is, I'm obsessed with her. I mean, she's in, she's in Ozark, and she absolutely destroys it. Like, so she good. Is. Oh, my God. She's something else. Yeah. Laura Dern. <laughs> All right. I'm trying to avoid saying <laughs> MILF on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I hope you let us keep it. For the record, I am one for one so far. Questions <laughs> <laughs> making me laugh. I need to, like, do a different... Mm. I need, like, a second. Okay. (laughs) You silly goose. (laughs) Alright. This one's interesting, actually. Glee. (laughs) Oh. Okay, copycat. Glee featured the longest-running LGBTQ character in television history. Oh, wait. Oh, give me a second. For some reference, it was on for six or seven years. Okay, I'm gonna go ahead and say no, because there's, like, the L word, and also Buffy, and I'm sure others. So, false? (sighs) It is false. <laughs> two the for two. Longest running LGBTQ character in TV history is Dr. Callie Torres from Grey's no Anatomy, way. portrayed okay. by Sarah Ramirez. Wait, we love her. Yeah. Obsessed with Callie. Which, if you think about it, it's like how long has Grey's Anatomy been on? It makes sense. Yeah, honestly. I, I just wanted to get you with the glee one. <laughs> Appreciate it. But a little side note Callie Torres was actually, like, she was realizing she was bi around the time oh, that really? I was realizing I was queer oh, when I was watching it, at least. That's so nice. Um, and I remember, like, I thought to myself, because I I'd been with guys before I was mm-hmm. like oh well obviously then I, I can't be queer and then she was suddenly like after George she was like okay Arizona and I was like she invented okay. bisexuality yeah I'd she say. did goes to show the impact of television I would say which is Truly. something we explore a lot as yeah. RTA, RTA media protection <laughs> students that was kind of scary so rough <laughs> Trivia is like where we can let loose, you know? I would say so, yeah. It's a party. All right. The original pride flag had three additional colors. Wow. Okay, I'm thinking pink, indigo, and maybe like black. I'm going to say true. I literally hate you. (laughs) It's true, and the colors are pink, indigo, and turquoise. (laughs) Any guesses on what they represent? Ooh. Uh, I have no idea. Uh, they represent sex, serenity, and magic, respectively. Okay. Wait. I'm, like, really mad that you had the colors. Like, you're three for three right now. Wow. 
<laughs> okay. <clears throat> Britain currently holds the world record for having the largest pride parade in the world. I want to say that like San Francisco or like something is bigger, so I'm going to say no. False. It's false, but um, I want to slip you up. What was the largest then? What is wait, the wait, largest? Okay. Maybe you get one guess. New Orleans? It's Brazil. Oh, okay, yeah, okay. The Sao Paulo Gay Pride Parade is South America's largest event and attracts oh. three to five million people no a year. No way. Isn't that wonderful? That is so great. Yeah, that's no. so cool. That's a good fact. I like that one. Yeah, me too. All right. Members of the LGBT community were not allowed to receive federal security clearance in the USA until 1995. Okay, that sounds absolutely ridiculous. So I'm gonna say true. Oh my god! Yes, it's true. <laughs> Damn, should I like um, pretend that I don't know the answers? <laughs> yeah, you you're it. the worst. Apparently, if you like those of the same sex, you also like committing treason. Gay people were not allowed security clearance until Bl- Bill Bill Clinton, <laughs> until Bill Clinton signed Executive Order One Two Nine Six Eight in 1995, which included a clause about ending discrimination um, with access to classified information. All right. In 1985, a 66-year-old American woman tried to sue all gay people for living the sinful life of homosexuality, <laughs> quoting the Bible as her main legal source. Oh my god, this is so funny to me. Like, <laughs> I desperately want it to be true, but if you made it up, that is so good. Oh, um, I'm gonna say true. It's false, but only because it happened not in 1985, but in 2015. <laughs> <laughs> You're lying. It actually happened. It was a woman in Nebraska. She sued all gay people and she she had like a six or like a long like essay that she wrote about it. It was written entirely in cursive and she okay. quoted no legal sources, but she quoted the Bible and Webster's dictionary. Oh my god. So it happened in 2015. You kind of get that one cuz it did happen, but I messed with the year. Her argument was like they should they're they morally wrong and sinful. They should stop. But like, what's the end game? Like, in, like State Patrol shows up at every house. They're like, <laughs> are you gay? Are there any pride flags here? I just think that's so funny that she obviously didn't get anywhere, but like, she got some publicity. Bro, the Westboro Baptist Church would love her. They would fund her up for real. So that is our trivia. Mary, I would say you got all of them right, basically, since the last one was kind of a trick question. Yeah, I'm telling you. Um, and so you're kicked out of the podcast. Okay. <laughs> Good luck without me talking to a wall as you do on a video. And that was trivia. Well, that's it for this episode. I hope you enjoyed this week's story as much as we did. In our episode description, you can find the sources of all the info we shared with you today, as well as our respective social media, if you want to do some more research on Chopin. <laughs> I think you got it right. Okay, finally. We said it different, like, every time. Yeah, we, we should we go through know. and count how many yeah, right? times we did it differently. And please feel free to message us if there are any stories or topics you think we should cover next. Yes, and we are actively looking for queer ex-university students who want to be showcased on our podcast. We would love to hear from you and talk about your work. You can reach us at at Ghost in the Closet <laughs> Podcast on Instagram or at our uh, personal Instagrams, which you can find in our description. Yeah, or even if you don't want to DM us, just like check out at Ghost in the Closet <laughs> Podcast on Instagram and, and maybe give us some likes or something. Give a little follow. <laughs> maybe spam us with likes. Yeah. So that's yeah, about it, that's I would about say. about it. I'm Mary. And I'm Eileen. We'll see you next time to uncover more ghosts in the closet. Oh, 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 oh